you can buy the bar around a drinks for several different reasons. I've done it twice in my life, maybe a third time. My wife and I have been going back and forth about if I actually did. I feel like I did uh, at Dave's Bar in San Francisco maybe 10 years ago. It's a bar that's no longer there, but it was this great little oasis off of Market Street. I think it was on 3rd, and I felt like you got a nice cut of every type of San Franciscan there, all sorts of races and genders, sexualities, socioeconomic stati, stati, statuses. Uh, so, of course, naturally being San Francisco, it's not there anymore. It's something probably much more upscale. But at that time, I bought the round, at least I believe I bought the round, because I just was having so much fun and I liked what was happening. And if you're a drinker or a bar person, you know what I'm talking about. The bar, everything is just right and there's a perfect balance. And in that moment where the jukebox is playing whatever you want it to be playing, classic girl by Jane's Addiction, some outcast, Beyonce, whatever is... Frank Sinatra floating everyone's boat at that time, you don't want to mess it up. And really what you want to do is just have it go on forever, if you could, right? And so in that spirit, it's like, you feel like, well, gosh, I hope nothing changes. And I'm sure I was just with my wife, maybe one other friend. You don't want anything else to change. So you buy the bar around in in both the spirit of contributing to this event that you know is just everyone's suspended for a little while from their real lives, but also uh, you want it to maintain, right? So you want to contribute to this great event, but you also want to maintain it. So if that guy who is cracking up those three other people over there, he's out of money and he has to go home, that's going to change the dynamic of the bar. And those three people aren't going to laugh as hard. And then they're going to look at their phones and realize they have early mornings and they're going to have to get out of there and get back to reality. I'm not that strategic about it when it happens, but that's the spirit of it. It's like, this thing is good. Let's maintain it. So I'm going to get around. If that guy's not out of money, he sticks around, has one more drink, and uh, everybody stays, stays right where they should. So I think I did that at Dave's in San Francisco. Probably seven people in the bar at the time. I doubt the round was 40 bucks. Uh, and also my wife doesn't think it happened. Um, but in that occasion, I definitely would have done it without anybody knowing. I would have been the anonymous. Somebody bought the bar around and, you know, everybody looks around. And you're like, oh, wow, Hugh, no, it was me. Oh, that was great. Because you don't want to be an asshole. And like, you're welcome, everybody. Uh, I bought the bar around. Interestingly, the second time, so if that was the third time, the second time I bought the bar around also was in San Francisco and was at a bar on, what would that street be? Chelsea Place, I think is the name of the bar. It has one of those saloon style doors where the bottom closes and the top opens. Is that Bush Street, I think? Maybe Bush Street in San Francisco toward Chinatown, toward Knob Hill? Anyway, it is, uh, I think, a Chinatown-affiliated bar, so it probably is still there and somehow does not face the pressures that the rest of San Francisco has. That's what Chinatown is. It's, a, it's unique, it's an oasis, and it's awesome. Anyway, this is adjacent to Chinatown. Chelsea Place, this is almost 20 years ago. Uh, my wife and I were there, 
we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. We were there after September 11th, after her stepfather died. Her stepfather died, by the way, on in between the two planes hitting the World Trade Center. My wife's stepfather passed away. And the theory was he'd been dying of leukemia, essentially, for a long time. He was at home at hospice. We all were at their house and on the West Coast. And the first plan, everyone's hovering around. That's how hospice works. Everyone's just hovering around, um, telling stories, sometimes drinking. Some, usually it's just eating and being sad. It's not like, hey, let's get a shit face. Somebody's dying. And then there's a person, by the way, who's just right over there kind of dying. And it's very sad and heavy, but it's also good to see people. Um, it's just part of fucking life. So the first plane hit tower, whichever tower was hit first. And everybody at the house was distracted and looked and was watching TV because people from the East Coast were calling and saying, hey, wake up, there's some shit going on. So everyone's looking at the TV and then before the second plane hit, he passed away. And I don't remember the sequence of when did someone realize that. And now forever in my brain are those two events entwined in a way that really doesn't pay either one of them the respect that they're due. Like September 11th, yes, I know, significant, awful but also my girlfriend, love of my life's stepdad, husband to my wife's mom, second husband to my wife's mom, passed away at the same time in between. So they're, they're, they're compounded, and I, I've always felt like I haven't been able to give, give them their due. In any case, the theory was that he passed away once we all were distracted and looked away from him, like... Probably was like, would you guys give me a fucking break? You know, I was in Vietnam, okay? I Just give me, let me do this on my own, okay? And we all looked away, and I think he took one more breath, and that was it. So, after that, around, so it was post-September 11th, a couple months after, post, after September 11th, after my wife's stepdad died, and my wife had a birthday. And then also, oh, by the way, my wife's girlfriend at the time, grandfather is dying and is going to die right around Christmas. My wife and I were up in San Francisco just to get away. I think and even to celebrate all in the middle of this, we were like, oh, well, let's get engaged too. And we, so there was a lot going on. The gal was very emotional, as was I. But she was very emotional. She had a lot going on in her life. We were in Chelsea Place, which uh, was us, and then maybe two drunkies down at the end of the bar, and then the Chinatown bartender behind the bar. Anyway, we tied one on. We had a big afternoon evening at the bar, and uh, my wife just had to get it out of her system and uh, got on the bar and started dancing. With the full support of the bartender, this was not, and by the way, this was, this was a woman going through something. This was a girl in her moment uh, of herself. She was not for anyone else's 
benefit, Lord knows, and this is what's so great about those old style bars in San Francisco and in every other city, the two drunkies down at the end of, end, of, end of the bar, they just like hardly batted an eye. Like, oh, yeah, well, this is the big city and there is uh, some girl dancing on the bar. And she kept playing over and over that Madonna song music. I was like, and, and Little Red Corvette or something. But she's up there dancing. And so in that case, I felt like, and the bartender's just fine, like here, giving me, like, here you go, dude, have some more Chex Mix. It's delicious and way more salty than it would be if you bought it in the store. But who knows what happens to it here. Also, the bathroom is in the basement, and I hope you get out when you come back up. But there's my girlfriend dancing at the bar, so I was like, the least I can do is, is flip a few more dollars to the venue. And uh, then while she was up there, she, I remember she was wearing a sweater. She was dancing on the bar, not salaciously. She was like, hey, this is Madonna. You know, Madge has been through a couple things too. We're just gals. Uh, this is not for anybody else but me. <laughs> and I mean, it was, that was it. And she had a sweater on. She was up there and she started to take her sweater off. And both the bartender and I were like, <gasps> here we go. Here come some knockers. We're going to, you know what? And that's fine if you want to do that. But the bartender and I both kind of like raised our eyebrows like, well, I guess it's this. This is it. I've seen them before, but now you're about to see them. Isn't that great? And together, we'll see them. I've never seen them with somebody else present. But your name is Lou. I'm going to suggest, I'm going to guess. L-U, that's your name. Uh, we're about to see my wife's boobs that someday she will use to breastfeed my daughter. But now, in the smoke-filled air of Chelsea Place, San Francisco, and I smoked back then, by the way. It was great. I loved smoking. It was one of my favorite things. Also, I've quit smoking, and I feel like anybody who quits smoking should put that at the very top of the resume. Non-smokers don't get it. But anybody who's been a smoker, if you quit smoking, it should be the first thing on your resume. Yeah, I quit smoking. So there are cigarettes, there's Chex Mix, there is a flip phone, and there is my wife about to take off her sweater, and Lou and I making eye contact with each other. And this, I think, is when the guys down at the other end of the bar, they might have sort of pulled up out of their slow gin fizzes or whatever they're drinking. Like, oh, well, maybe we will see a little tit. After all, it is... 5.45 on a, you know, Tuesday afternoon. This is San Francisco. How it used to be. This was, you know, early 2000, 2001, whatever. And also, San Francisco, what are we talking about? See, San Francisco, how it really was, was to look at, you know, 48 hours. That was more how San Francisco used to be. So I'm not douching, that's what it was like, but... She starts taking off her sweater, and Lou and I, like I said, like, oh, this is going to be a thing. We're going to see some tits. And uh, my wife looks down when in the middle of this leg swing, dancing to Madonna. Music is the bourgeoisie. It brings the bourgeoisie and the rebels together. Okay. Is that how it went? Is that how we handled, uh, you know... Chile is that how it went down in the jungles of South America in Colombia FARC all right what am I talking about no, nothing my wife's about to show 
three strangers and her boyfriend, her tits, her titties, her boot, her breastuses, her boobs, I think. But she looks down in the middle of this Madonna song and sees Lou and I raising our eyebrows like, here we go. Nice to meet you also. And she goes, what? Uh, nothing. She goes, Did you think I was going to take my shirt off? I was like, absolutely. That's what I thought you were going to do. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. I was, it's hot in here. Oh, well, it's hot because you're fucking dancing on a bar and you've had 19 drinks. But what cracked me up is she was like, you think I'm going to take my shirt off? Well, it is the next thing in this progression. You just, you, I've seen the movie before with you and other women. Not other people, other women. That's the progression. Tears, dancing on a bar, shirt off. That's how it works. She didn't take them off. And I bought those two guys a drink. And then we uh, got out of there. But the very first time that I bought the bar around was in San Diego. And it was the night after, the night I took the knee, the night I got engaged. My wife came home. We both got home in the evening. My wife had gone to the gym after work. She came home. She was post-gym. And uh, I was broke and didn't have a name, a dollar to my name. Uh, not a dollar to my name. My plan was to buy... I wanted to get married. But I didn't have like two grand, five grand, 70 grand to spend on a ring at the time. So my plan was to get a small ring saying, I will be good for this $10 ring. I will be good for it. And I'll get you a ring. I will work and save up. So I took the knee and I put the ring. I took the knee when my wife came home. I got down to one knee and I'd said, Hey, I want to ask you a question. And she said, what is it? She was confused by me getting down on my knee. She was like, what, what is it? Did the Lakers, what happened? Kobe and Shaq fighting? What's going on? I got down on the knee and I said what I said, which was, so are you going to do this or what? <laughs> I got down. I said, will you marry me? And she said, what? Yes. And it is true. The cliche is you are waiting for amid all the excitement and all the, you've seen these in movies and TV, all the, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You are like waiting for the words. They like say them and then we can get on with the, with, with the big show. I'm happy to do all that, but you have to, you have to say Y-E-S. Then all the, oh my gosh. So she said, yes, I put a $10 ring on her finger. And then later, bought a $2,000 ring, which is not, as adults go, um, it's not at the top end of the table. Um, but to this day, she wears the, uh, like, I know people that who have, who were younger and had less money than I bought more expensive rings for their ladies. And anyway, to this day, my wife does not wear the expensive ring. She wears the $10 ring that I got, which is more her style anyway. Just a cheap broad, you know. You don't have to give her much. And give her a sandwich and rub her hair, rub her head. But, the, but she wears the $10 ring. 
so we're we thrilled we were thrilled i had a bottle of champagne we slow danced to the rolling stones song you got the silver sung by keith from let it bleed and uh then we also played uh, a song by a punk band called the vindictives uh, i think it's called hopelessly hopelessly what hopelessly sick over you or something like that i can't remember it anyway we listened to keith you got the silver the vindictive song we had a glass of champagne we called family and friends and then we went down to this bar near our house in normal heights san diego it was called kindred spirits and it later i believe was closed by the atf for what that's worth and Kindred Spirits was also like one of those places like, how is this place 4,000 square feet and you sell like $1.75 drafts? And then as you get older, you're like, oh, because it's like money laundering or some shady business thing. But, you know. So we went down to Kindred Spirits, my wife, me, and there were, you know, a handful of other people there, all by nick. We only knew them by nickname. You know, like there's Indian John. Or there's Kentucky, because all he did was wear Kentucky shit, Kentucky gear. That's all he had on all the time. Kentucky, C-A-T-S, cats, 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 that's it. And then there was Hep, who was called that way because we believed he had hepatitis or he had hepatitis. I don't know, one of the two. A friend of mine said, where is he from? He has an accent. I'm like, he is from shit-faced. (laughs) <laughs> that's why his voice sounds like that because he talks uh, like he's because he's, he's wrecked all the time that's where his accent is from it is from Budweiser and then there was the bartender whose name is Lydia and I that was the time where I proclaimed to the bar I'm going to buy the bar a drink and it literally was like six dollars and 75 cents <laughs> Lydia came over and gave me like $13.25 back and said, congratulations. Congratulations. That, that was it. I think I told, I was talking about all of that to get to Lydia. The only other time I recall buying somebody in that pay it forward, pay it backward, whatever that is, was three to five years ago at Poppy's Cuban Restaurant um, Ponce de Leon in Atlanta. I was having lunch with somebody and I knew I was going to pick up the tab. And behind me was a couple talking about their plans now that the guy had just gotten out of jail. He had been in for a little bit and was out now and they were they were talking about what they were going to do and he was going to get some things figured out. And I was hyped for him. So I told our server to pick up their check, but not tell them. Because, like, who am I to do that? But that's, like, just one of those things. Like, that's, I thought, I, w- I was hyped for them, but I also, I didn't want it to be about anything other than them. So I did that. I picked up their check and told our server, like, and don't let anybody know until we've left that, oh, somebody might have picked it up, but they're not here anymore, like that. Why not, dude? Just make somebody's fucking day. It's awesome. And you know what that probably feels like? I've never experienced it because you guys are assholes and never picked up my tab. But it probably feels tight. Like, 
Hell yeah. Somebody recognized. It's just, I don't know. Or maybe there's no rationale behind it. Just somebody did it. It's good for the game. So at Kindred Spirits, I bought the house around for six seventy five. Lydia and I, because I used to go there occasionally with my dog, Shep, after my wife would go to sleep, uh, Shep and I would go to the bar and uh, I would hang out and I'd talk with Lydia. And Lydia said something to me one night. She'd been married a lot longer and she knew now we're engaged. She said, it's great. And here's some things about marriage, et cetera, et cetera. And she goes, my relationship with my husband is really good. She goes, right now we're going through a bit of a tough time. And then she said, we've been going through a tough time, but that's because of my drinking. (laughs) And I thought that was like the most refreshing thing. I was like, holy shit, you just said that. Like, the problem is, is my behavior. She wasn't like, he's a fucking asshole. He, he comes home stinking like booze. She's like, yeah, yeah, it's been my drinking. I've been letting it get away from me a little bit, and it's caused some problems with us. And I thought that was so cool that she said that. Like, that is somebody that is at peace with who they are. Warts and all, I suppose. Just, here I am, I'm Lydia. Right now, I want my drinking's a little bit much for my relationship. She didn't say, so I'm going to correct it immediately. <laughs> she didn't say, uh, you know, I'm going to cut back. She just said, it's the problem right now. And tune in tomorrow to see how it shapes up. But I will never forget that. Which is a long way of getting to say, I believe my drinking causes a bit of a problem in my relationship with my wife when I am not drinking. That's right. I believe there is a subtle tension in my relationship, in my household, when I'm not drinking. Which is interesting, because my wife is not a booze hound. She, I mean, she will have a drink. She likes to have a drink. Don't get me wrong. She can put them away. But she'll have a drink and a half a night, and that's it. Something like that. And there are times where I, I don't drink like that. I like to have zero or plus or minus four. Well, that's not the right way to say it. Four plus or minus one and a half. So I like to be between two and a half and five and a half. Over, you know, like six hours or whatever it is, right? Seven to one, something like that. Eight to noon to midnight. But she's just one and a half, like, but I like every night. So I also like to do the zeros a lot. So I will go weeks without having any booze. And I think it irritates her because very uncharacteristic for us. Like last week, I was probably two weeks into not having anything to drink, which I would love to get right for my COVID fight, my COVID habits. I can't get it right. Like during COVID, I'm either drinking and working out too much or I'm not drinking but not working out. It should be not drinking and working out, but I can't link them up. Anyway, so I knew that I was probably a couple weeks without having a drink and I felt this increasing tension. We were uncharacteristically short with each other. It was it just didn't, it felt strange. 
And I swear to Christ, one night I had a drink. I just, I didn't make a big deal of it, but I like walked somewhere with a glass of wine. And she said, oh, good to see you back on the train or something like that. And then it was like, we're all war buddies, just like fell into laughing and making fun of something on TV. And uh, that was it. My wife, I think, likes when I drink. And what am I going to say? That bothers me. She's not a sitcom person. It's very interesting. I mean, like, you know, like, oh, you're old ball and chain to let you go. My wife was like, said things to me like, we're going to a party tonight or we're going to this event. Don't you pull one of your Diet Cokes on me. Am I going to complain? I mean, am I going to complain about that? Like, oh, no, I want to get up early and feel spry. Have a Diet fucking Coke at this event where there's free good booze with you who wants to have a good time and shake their ass and get up on the bar. Ah, it's just her style. So I'm not going to complain about that. She's a good one.